You are listening to the To and Out CFL Podcast, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the To and Out CFL Podcast. He's got it! Oh, baby! Every week, Travis Kura. That's Grey Cup me, which is a different person. And Brazilian Tide. Hunters are people, too. Talk fantasy football, bring you the latest in CFL news, and sprinkle in a little bit of nonsense. Oh, nearly intercepted, and it is! And it's over! Ready, set, hunt! Thanks for pressing play on this episode of uh, Two and Out. It's Travis Curra and Sheldon Jones. And uh, you know what, man? In my neck of the woods in central Alberta, there's a snowfall warning. So fall was all of three weeks long, and uh, it looks like winter's about to arrive. What are, what's it looking like in your uh, area of the world? Uh, like an hour ago, it started raining. Oh. and. Uh, I guess rain tomorrow and then on Tuesday it's supposed to turn to snow and then yeah winter's here. Oh, I looked at Tuesday night minus 18. There we go. There we go. Here or there? Here, here. Oh, yikes. <laughs> I'm I'm built for winter, brother. Yeah, like, me too. <laughs> and Plus. I uh Honestly, like when I see this, like I, uh, man, I want to go to the mountains. Like the winter in the mountains is just magical, man. So, hey, I'm, if all the leaves are on the ground, bring on the snow. That's how I look at it. Although, <laughs> my proximity to the QE2 highway between Edmonton and Calgary, no, just <laughs> avoid that. <laughs> at, at least all you're, costs. at least you're close to mountains and, you know, wilderness for the winter and i just get wind and snow that's so saskatchewan wind chill yeah. is unlike anything else so when i lived in saskatoon for a short time and i'll never forget this march 1st the wind chill was minus 57 <laughs> i was oh. like are you kidding me this is march yep yeah. that's march in saskatchewan <laughs> Let's talk about the games in week 20. And it started with the Calgary Stampeders stomping the BC Lions 41-16. And, of course, this game meant a lot more for Calgary than it did for BC. Clearly. But, exactly, the performance still is impressive, Sheldon. Yeah, Calgary came to play. Uh, They, it was... It wasn't quite do or die for them yet, but it was it was close enough, and they did. They, they at least one Craig Dick, or Coach Dickinson, you know, had their team ready to go. You know what? And I guess I think what's blowing me away is how the defense played uh, for the Stamps. And I guess even though the, I don't want to say the Lions went into the game lackadaisical, carefree kind of thing. That has to kind of be in the back of their mind now because these teams are going to be playing again in Vancouver in the West semifinal and in the first half until Vernon Adams left the game. The Stamps were on him. Like the defense was getting the pressure. They were hitting him. They probably played the best game that they've played all year. And what a time to finally... Uh, make it happen, really. Uh, Vernon Adams Jr. was sacked three times. Dane Evans was sacked as well. He got hit. He threw interceptions. Like, the, the, the Stamps came to play here. And I was concerned early on 
Uh, Jake Mayer, he made some beautiful throws, but his receivers weren't helping him out. There was a costly drop from Reggie Bagleton early on, a drop from Trey Odom's Dukes early on. This is in the first drive. And, yes, the Stamps put up 41 points. Jake Mayer had 123 yards passing. (laughs) He was 10 for 21. Yeah, that's been the thing that's been like hurting him all year, actually, is his receivers have been dropping balls. Uh, but it seemed like he got it when he when he needed it. Like the that that one deep pass to Bagleton, just on the money, and yeah, like he, yeah. he even telegraphed it and still where like he you could see he was pointing where to go and go the up. Babe and, Ruth, I loved yeah, it, and it, it was very impressive. Uh, but you know the. Calgary's defense is responsible for the field position of a lot of those points too, right? So um, Calgary just played and they they played like a team that was going into the playoffs and yeah, they they put their foot on that gas and and you know what maybe maybe BC did take them lightly, they shouldn't have, but this is also going to light a fire under BC, so we should be in for a heck of a West semifinal, hopefully. Yeah, Jake Mayer, he had two touchdowns, no turnovers, so that is obviously a positive here. And Calgary had the running game going. Kadeem Carey almost had six yards of carry. He had 88 yards rushing. Peyton Logan gets into the game, eight carries, 105 yards, and a touchdown. And that is, I guess, another one of those concerns from the Lions. We've started to see the defense being able to maybe give up some big plays, give up some rushing yards here and there. And Calgary had that in the game plan, and they were ready. The Lions did have opportunities here. Uh, Gary Peters almost picked off Jake Mayer. Like, he made the jump, nothing but open field, but it didn't happen. And then the very next drive, the Stampeders get an interception of their own. So it was just one of those games where everything went the red and whites way. Vernon Adams Jr., he threw an interception. Uh, He goes 9 of 13, 116 yards. Dane Evans comes in in the second half, 14 of 20, 125 yards, a touchdown, and three interceptions. So... These Stampeders were all over them. Derek Wigan uh, gets a sack here. Julian Hauser gets a sack. Mike Moore gets a sack. And maybe all along, Mike Moore was the missing piece on the D-line. I, if that's what it is, like, look, you only got to lose once in the playoffs. And I don't know. These Stamps suddenly look ready. <laughs> it, I'm just mind blown by what happened. Yeah, well, it's it's the stamps, right? Like they they're the Patriots of the CFL up until a couple years ago. Yeah. Uh, for the Patriots, I mean, um, like they <laughs> they've they've been that that consistent team. Like this is eighteen years in a row that they're making the playoffs. Uh, they're limping into the playoffs, but it, it doesn't matter how it's how many, right? So they they get there, and Craig or Dave Dickinson is still a a great head coach, right? So he obviously knows what to do to motivate his team and they can do damage. We've seen mayor have, you know, 400 yard games with five touchdowns and their defense is, they beat Toronto uh, this year. Yep. When Toronto was still trying. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, it's when they get into a shootout, it seems that they, 
they got the guns to do a shootout, right? You got Bagleton, you got Hook Nirvana, you like every like it's just if they can catch the ball and 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 sustain drives and get the touchdowns, Calgary is still a dangerous team. They may not be a good team, like from their record, but once the playoffs come, it doesn't matter anymore. Yeah, Hakanovanu, uh, he did have a touchdown in this one, a, a big, big touchdown for him. And then uh, the Lions, man, I had, I had Dom Rhymes in my lineup. I needed him. Uh, he didn't get much done for me. Two catches, fifteen yards, but the leading receiver was Justin McInnes, seven catches, 108 yards, and Javon Katoy, five catches, 64 yards. So the Canadians leading the receiving core for BC in uh, this one. I don't know, did you catch (laughs) Javon Katoy get the first down? And he goes to the celebration, hits Taylor, I think it's Nick Taylor, of uh, the Calgary Stampeders in the head, and then acts surprised that he got a penalty on the play. So I think these teams are going to get pretty chippy heading into the game here. And the thing that the Lions need to clean up uh, going into the playoffs is these penalties, man. They took 10 for 117. And there was most of them are on defense. In, In return, Calgary only had four for 50. And then... You're giving up 117 yards in penalties and five turnovers where Calgary had zero. I mean, yeah, f- 15 of those yards were, were not deserved in any way, shape or form, though. That that roughing the passer was not a roughing the passer. The uh, when Betts and the other yeah. guys sandwiched him, that that was there was no no headshot. It, it, there was nothing. I don't know how that was called a, a roughing the passer. I thought there was a few roughing the passer instances this weekend that probably uh, yep. didn't uh, didn't count for anything. But you, well, they counted for something. They probably shouldn't have been. Uh, mm. You bring up Matthew Betts, though. Uh, Jake Mayer gets sacked once, and it was a big one. Matthew Betts gets the sack barely. Like I, I kind of wonder if they gave him the credit because yeah, I think it was just, yeah, yeah. He didn't yeah, even want to celebrate it. <laughs> Oh, no, but it, again, it, it counts in the stat book. So, Well, and what a season, man. 18 sacks, one a game. That is a Canadian record on average, one a game for Matthew Betts. What a monstrous season he's had, man. And yeah, no, nothing take, can't take anything away from him. And it's, it's actually pretty sad with that season he had, and he's still not going to be able to come out of the West as the most outstanding Canadian nominee. But when you have a player like Brady Oliveira, <laughs> uh, it's it's tough going up against him. But you, great season for Betts. Hopefully, he can continue to do that next year. Yeah, yeah. Um, you're right. The the Stampeders put uh, their offense, the defense put the offense in good field position all night long. Dane Evans threw interceptions, at least two of them, deep in his mm-hmm. own his own end and uh, Betts took another roughing the passer. He probably wanted a decisive one that he could actually celebrate a little bit more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That makes sense. Uh, I was quite, I was actually kind of surprised at, at Dane Evans. Cause usually when he comes off the bench, he's actually pretty, pretty good uh, when it's, when he starts the games that he seems to have the issues. So um, interesting. Uh, very interesting. Uh 24 points off of turnovers 
for the mm-hmm. Calgary Stampeders. Uh, that is the story of the game there. Are we looking too much into this win a little bit? I think you could probably say that yes, because I think like Vernon Adams wasn't having a terrible game at half. So I don't know why they actually pulled him unless he was limping around. I think he's fighting some nagging stuff. Fair. But I think at that point, it's probably when they're like, you know what, this might not be our night and uh, let's, let's get out of here injury free. And uh so so maybe Calgary scoring, because they scored quite a bit of points in the second half there. So maybe that was kind of a let's let's let them get it out here and then, you know, we play them again in, in two weeks and that's when it counts kind of situation. So and plus it's good film for the team to watch and get pissed off and get that extra motivation for the playoff game coming up. Dane Evans, is he gonna be a starter in twenty twenty four? Not necessarily with BC, but uh anywhere. Uh, I don't think so. I, I the CFL always recycles quarterbacks, and it seems backup quarterbacks especially. Um, but this year we've had a crop of some good backups. You know, Crum, uh, Dolagala, uh, in Toronto even with uh, yeah, Cameron Dukes there. Dukes, yeah, Dukes has looked pretty good. With he's looked very good actually. So. Uh, I'm kind of hoping the general managers are going to, you know, out with the old and with the new kind of, just because, you know, Nick Arbuck, the Nick Arbuckles, the Dane Evans, the the Pipkins, like they're just hanging on for the sake of hanging on. I think it's time to get some new blood and because we need to build more star quarterbacks in this league. Darren Baker, a friend of uh, two and out, hits us up on... Uh... <laughs> Facebook and he goes, Sheldon Jones, and I quote, Calgary sucks. Hmm. <laughs> look, 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 the, the six win playoff team, and he's, look, let it be known, and I could go back to the uh, September episodes when so many people were counting Calgary out. I didn't. I, I know for a fact that I said the Stamps have another game with Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan is not inspiring anything here mm-hmm. and that they're not done. So, hey, look, it's just a difference of opinion. But uh, Darren Baker is puffing his chest out a little bit uh, knowing that his team's going to be in the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, and that's and that's fair. Like, I, I eat crow the – the stamps were just a little bit better than the riders, but the riders weren't a great team. So uh, let's, let's wait. Let's see what we can do in the West semifinal here. Um, But it's, it's another, you're continuing the streak of going to the playoffs, but this was a down, this was a down season for the Calgary Stampeders franchise. And I don't think anyone can say otherwise. And, and I'm going to admit, obviously my rider fan bias I got excited when the Stamps were looking like they were sucking and they were going to miss the playoffs because it it doesn't happen very often. (laughs) Uh, Back to the Federick years and like (laughs) Matt Dunnigan on the sidelines. So, um, yeah, I got a little carried away, but they're still not a good team. They haven't shown that they can be consistently a good team. So, but they only, they have three games left now that, mean something 
if they can get to those games is is remains to be seen. But you go, Darren. You go. I think the defining moment in this game is when Calgary took a 17 nothing lead. It's when Dom Davis fumbled the ball on the goal line. Cam Judge recovers yeah. it, and then the Stamps go 109 yards. And look, there Jeff. was an unnecessary roughness. There was penalty-aided you know, moments in that drive, but usually when a team takes the takes it over on the one, that doesn't end in six very often. So that's a bit uncharacteristic of these Lions, man. Yeah, um, and, and Judge just had a hell of a game. He was he all over the place. He had an interception uh, too, yep. Yeah. Um, it, it's tough because, like, when you have a running quarterback – the, the level of a Vernon Adams, I, I know you don't want to get him getting hit on those goal line situations, but if I was an offensive coordinator, if I have a running quarterback, I'm probably keeping him in for those important, uh, those important plays. You can sweep to the outside. You can, you can fake it. You can still have your act, your, your best thrower in there. Um, so, and, and Dom Damas, that's another guy when I was talking about, about these recycled quarterbacks, right? Like, why do we need Dom Davis in the league anymore? If he, if all he can do is a third down, he's, he's in his thirties. It's not like he's a young guy who's, you know, just trying to get a starter's position. Um, yeah, it's, it's tough. <laughs> it, and it's very demoralizing when you fail on the one yard line, right? That's just an instant momentum kill, especially when you're at home, because if you're on the road, that's one thing you the crowd goes crazy. But if you're at home, that happens the air just gets sucked out of that building and it's just deflating and then yeah when like you said when they march down 109 yards to score a touchdown it's like a punch to the nuts and then followed up by a kick to the nuts (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Kobe Williams Nick Stats and Micah Alway with the other interceptions Alway also had five tackles and a sack so yeah, the, the the stamps came to play. Uh, Reggie Bagleton four catches, sixty six yards, and a touchdown, and, and that was it for this game. The Calgary Stampeders are in the playoffs because it was combined with the Toronto Argonauts twenty nine twenty six win over the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Now, Sheldon, do you want to do the poem now or later? Uh. Let's finish with the poem. All right. Yeah. Sass started good, man. They they started yeah. fast. They went up 7 nothing early. Keen Schaefer-Baker made a big catch early. He, he had the touchdown uh, early on. And uh, it, was, it was a back-and-forth game for the most part. Even Saskatchewan, I think, inspiring a little bit, showing that they could stop the run at times. They were stuffing. AJ Olet early on, and they weren't really letting uh, Toronto run wild on them. I think that kind of changed as the game progressed, but especially when the backup gets in, Daniel Adebaboye, but AJ Olet uh, early on, he wasn't able to get going, but the Argos were keeping up with the Riders, and that was not something that we've seen over the past few weeks. They were moving the ball well with Jake Doligala and the, the receivers were making plays and they looked like they were in this one to win it, Sheldon. Yeah, they uh 
you could just tell that when when they let Jake throw downfield, it, it, he doesn't even have to be the most accurate, but his receivers have been like bailing him out a lot. When he's made his interceptions, yeah. they've been short throws when he's locking in on a receiver and the 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 cornerback or whatever just jumps the route. But um I think with a lot with with proper coaching, Jake Dogala could be a bona fide starter in this league. He's he has the tools. He just needs to uh work on his mental game or cerebral game, I guess, reading defenses, stuff like that. Um the thing and I'm gonna go back to the, I know you talked about the start of the game here, but I honestly was very surprised with how they started because when I was sitting in the stands there looking at the team when they did bring him out, nobody was jumping. They were just standing there like they're ready to, you know, walk onto the field. So I, I kind of thought that they were dead in the water already. So I was quite surprised with how fast they came out. Um, but they they went one last time for Craig Dickinson, as he said in his his pregame speech to them, which, man, was I rattled when I saw that. <laughs> but uh, they, they, they seem to respond. I, I don't know why. The the defense was even flying a little bit. They were getting mm-hmm. to uh, Chad Kelly, and we'll, I guess we'll talk about what happened later in the game because Chad was very, uh, very fired up uh, for defense for the Riders. Uh, Cox came back into the game and he was making things happen, and he was getting into the backfield and. And he was pressuring the quarterback, Brian Cox Jr. He had three tackles. He had two sacks. He had a forced fumble. So that looked like a big addition to the Rough Rider lineup here. Chad yeah. Kelly did fumble the ball uh, when the Riders were up 10-7. Jake Dolagala hit Emelis for a big, big play. Emelis in this one, seven catches, 137 yards, the leading receiver on the Riders. So he had himself a good game, but Sheldon, that drive ended with a Jake Dolagala interception in the end zone. Yeah. <laughs> you right talk in about front of me. You, oh, you talk about right demoralizing, in- man. Yeah. That, that hurts. Yeah, well, that's just what I was saying in the previous uh, previous game there. That just that took the the that sucked the wind out of the stadium because you were riding high, and then yeah, the quarter ended and <laughs> comes down to our end, and we were just buzzing. And yeah, you throw a pick, and and uh, I was sitting with Alex uh, from Piffle's podcast, and he just burst out laughing because like what what what's can you do? Because that's just our season in a nutshell. You get there, <laughs> and then. You're you're nipping at the bud, and then just a comedy of errors. Like, <laughs> and then the riders they they had a short drive allowed by the Argos, and they actually rebounded, much to their credit, uh, and they got a touchdown to Sam Emelis, thirty five yards, eighty nine yard drive, and they had a seventeen seven lead. And mm-hmm. another opportunity because Chad Kelly gets interception, uh, intercepted by Nick Marshall that was returned for 54 yards. So they had opportunities to win this. Oh, for sure they did. Um, it's just, I think Marshall got actually pretty lucky on that pick because Kelly underthrew it. If he would have thrown it in stride with the receiver, he's walking in the end zone. Like, uh, so again, heck of a play to make the catch, but it, uh, it was just another time where Marshall was 
behind his runner uh, or his his receiver. I mean, which <laughs> happens <laughs> very soon here. Well, uh, yeah, Again. I guess it gets overshadowed because later in the game he's peeking in the backfield and Coxy ends up wide open and scoring a big long touchdown yeah. for the Argos. So it's been give and take for Marshall at times. I thought this year he was better than he was last year. But mm-hmm. uh, you take the good with the bad when, when it comes to him sometimes. He took that risk later in the game, and it did not pay off. When uh, yeah. the Riders had that 17-7 lead, I felt like the momentum kind of started going in Toronto's way. And it actually could have been uh, – the, the comeback could have came a lot sooner. But Toronto had a couple missed kicks. Uh, they, they missed a extra point. They missed a field goal at the end of the half. But Brett Lothar also missed a field goal in the game as well. So we go into the halftime, 17-16 Saskatchewan. How are you feeling at that point? Extremely frustrated. <laughs> because this is this is like the third game in a row where the last minute of the half it just seemed like the riders fell apart, right? You have the game against BC when they have the interception and the fumble and BC gets a touchdown and a field goal, I believe could have been two touchdowns. My rider trauma is a lot this year. (laughs) Uh, And then in the Calgary game, again, right before halftime, they break down, they give it. It was a stupid coaching call, but they give up a safety thinking that Calgary is going to take the ball at the 40 when no, you're kicking into a wind. Obviously they're going to make you kick off. And then that becomes instead of just three points, it becomes seven or eight. Sorry, my math five points, right? It's just, it just seems like they going into half, they had mental hurdles and then coming out of half, they don't know how to make the adjustments. And so extremely frustrated is how I was feeling going into the second half. Yeah. And then the second half starts and uh, Daniel Adaboboye has a 59 yard rush and uh, the Argos take the lead Uh, 19, 17 early on in the game. And Adaboboye, I mean, that is a guy that I, I believe CFL fans will probably get to know over the next few years. I, I know A.J. Olette's in there. I'm a big fan of A.J. Olette, but Adam Aboye has the, the right passport. And m- maybe that is the dual attack for Toronto next year. I kind of wondered if Adam Aboye was going to be the heir to the Andrew Harris throne. And the Andrew yeah. Harris thing uh, just hasn't worked out as well in Toronto simply because of injuries. Um, but when he gets nine carries, 109 yards and a touchdown in this one, he came to play. And I, I bring up his name because we're into the last week of CFL fantasy, and it's going to be a challenging week. None of the games matter as far as seeding goes. You know, Montreal and Hamilton play each other, but they play each other in the playoffs. So that might be the most vanilla game of the season. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but guys like Adam Aboye probably get the full game uh, when they play Ottawa this week. That kind of thing. Because in our league, the last week counts. And uh, I, I, cannot, I cannot see myself finishing first place because I need to outscore first by 37 to win uh, the Jelly Beans. 
but I'm in a jelly bean position in second and third. So it does count, man. And I, I need to build a roster. Not that anybody else really cares that, uh, <laughs> that, that is going to help me out. And it's going to be a challenge. And maybe Adam Aboye is going to be my secret weapon here. And he might be a guy that the CFL is going to get to know over the next few years. I hope so. Yeah. He's, he's explosive. And they have he McMahon. Is. They have McMahon too, who's been, uh, has been explosive yeah. too. So you, you have maybe next year you have Olette and Adebaboye and it's a, your thunder and lightning thunder literally. Cause he is Thor, uh, <laughs> but, but you know, AJ Olette would look really good in green. He, he, really, really good. Then you're definitely growing the hair. Oh, I'd keep it forever. <laughs> now, after the Argos take that 1917 lead, the, the Riders have themselves a nice drive, and they take the lead 23-17. But this is the next drive when it starts to be uh, maybe Toronto's worst nightmare. You see Chad Kelly limping around earlier in the game. He gets tackled. There's a twisted knee situation in there, and he's mad. Like he's challenging D lineman to fight. You could, if you read his lips on uh, TSN, he wasn't happy. And I think maybe that's why we saw sort of a silly challenge from Ryan Dinwiddie later in the game to maybe prove a point yeah. to his quarterback here. But that's the risk of trying to prevent your guys from getting complacent or having some rust set in, but also <laughs> getting those reps and keeping them healthy. You know, it's pretty tough balancing act for a team. Yeah. And if I was Chad Kelly, I'd probably piss off too. Cause like Lanier looked like he held onto the ankle for a little longer than he should have. Yeah. And, yeah. and technically I think you're not supposed to take the quarterbacks down by the ankles or below the knees. Right. So it's who knows, but yeah, I can understand him being pissed off, but yeah, it was a good choice for Dinwiddie to get him out of there so that nothing happened after that. Yeah, I know there ended up being a uh, roughing the passer on Sean Oakman, where, I mean, he's 6'9", uh, <laughs> whatever he is, he's the tallest player in the CFL. Uh, yeah. uh, Dola Gallas, 6'7". So, I don't know. I, I thought that was a ticky-tack roughing the passer as well, but... Um, at this point, it is 23-22 Riders, and the Riders kick a field goal to go up 26-22. And Cameron Dukes is in the game for the Toronto Argonauts, and I just think that this maybe sums up the season for the Riders. Cameron Dukes engineers an eight-play, 82-yard drive in 58 seconds to put the Argos ahead, the extra point is good, 29-26. There's less than a minute left in the game, and the Argos win. And I guess that's been the formula over the past seven games. Some of them, the Riders weren't in it from the very beginning, but many of them, okay. it ended up being a fourth-quarter collapse, whether it is conditioning, whether it's getting whatever it is, coaching adjustments, whatever. Just giving up a drive. Look, Cameron Dukes is a capable player, 
Yep. But the backup came in and took a game-winning drive when Toronto was really at that point just trying to keep their starters healthy. <laughs> like <laughs> Richie Sandani yep. is catching passes. Like, I don't know, man. That that sums up what these last month and a half was for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders as they now are missing the playoffs. Yeah, like there was three minutes in the game, give or take, that the Riders <laughs> the bed. And it was those three minutes that cost them the game. Because at the first minute and a half in the first half, oh, yeah, the last yeah. minute and a half in the first half, and then the last minute and a half in the in the second half. Uh, yeah, it's just, again, Jake was fixated on his, his receiver. There was no other receiver in the area. There was three Argo defenders in the area, and he thought he could fit it in there. The Argo player read that entirely, and it's a pick, right? It's yeah, I don't know, man. It's just, it, it's deflating, it's demoralizing, but at the same time, it's what the team needs and it's what the fan base is hoping for because changes are coming. Two seasons in a row at 6-12, and 12, two seasons in a row ending with seven consecutive losses. So that means you have two seasons in a row where you have a winning record and you completely collapse. Sean Bain Jr. at 136 yards. Kean Schaefer-Baker had 90 yards and a touchdown. There was no running game for the Riders. Jamal Morrow had 10 carries for 21 yards and a long of 12. So nine carries for nine yards outside of one carry. If we do look to the Argos, uh, Chad Kelly, he had a touchdown and an interception, 275 yards, 18 for 25. Cameron Dukes, 10 of 15 for 113 yards. And uh, the leading receiver, DeMonte Coxey, five catches, 105 yards. And Devaris Daniels, six catches for 84 yards, achieving his first 1,000-yard season, which... uh He's been a mainstay in the CFL, a great career with Calgary and Toronto, and first time over a 1,000. That's actually kind of shocking to me. So uh, congrats to him for uh, getting to that milestone. Well, Sheldon, yeah, you're right. Mason Pierce with that interception as well that kind of sealed the game. For the Argos, Quantez Stiggers, the interception in the first half. Um you wrote a poem here. Now, there are three I guys did. that Ryder fans uh, look at, and that's Craig Reynolds, the president CEO, that's Jeremy O'Day, the GM, and Craig Dickinson, the head coach. Are any of them going to be back next year? If so, which one or two will be back? Uh, well... I know I want all three of them to be gone, um, but I just don't know if the board of directors has the balls to get rid of everyone. I, I It's an old boys club. Craig Reynolds is there to make money, and I think he did last year. Well, when the financials come out for this year, though, I think it's going to be a different story. So um, I honestly don't don't hate keeping Craig Reynolds there if he's just strictly in a financial position, like make him the, the CFO of the team. He shouldn't be the CEO or the president. Uh, 
you look at when Hobson was the president, he was doing media like almost every week. He was the, he was the face of the franchise, whether it was a good face or a bad face. He was the guy who was answering the questions. It's kind of a complicated position because for like Saskatchewan, I don't know if that person needs to be involved in football at all. And no, it's been said he's pretty, he's buddies with Jeremy O'Day. So uh, I think, I mean, He's allowed to be. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But it does seem like maybe maybe he is involved in some football decisions. Yeah, and he has no background in football. Like, So it's very interesting if that would be the case. Uh, it should be all three gone, but I think it's going to be only one gone. Just Craig I, and Jeremy uh, gets a chance to hire his own guy? Yeah, but like I worry that it's just going to be a one-year deal for O'Day and mm. like a sh- like a show me you can do it kind of thing. But then what head coach is going to come here on a one-year deal? Like, so I don't know. I hope it's all three. I I hope it's at least two, but we know for sure it's at least one. And I would assume at least ninety percent of the coaching staff with that. If if I'm bringing anyone back on the coaching staff, it's maybe Roosevelt because the receivers were actually pretty good this year. Uh, I really was high on Shiv- Shivers up until this year, but maybe maybe you give Shivers if if the new head coach wants Shivers, cool. Because uh, I don't think he became a bad coach all of a sudden. I'm wondering if maybe Dickinson's lackadaisical approach to players that aren't performing baby them and stuff like that. Like, I wonder if, if maybe Shivers just didn't have control and wasn't able to like, let's say sit uh, Nick Marshall, who is constantly cheating and baiting the quarterback and getting burned for it. Um, I don't know, man. I I think the future's bright. I hope, (laughs) but it's dark right now. (laughs) Let's hear your poem, my friend. All right, this is my ode to Craig Dickinson. A little play on the ode to Brazilian tie from earlier, <laughs> but let's see if I can get through this here. So as we file out a Wait, mosaic... Wait, cry? No, no, I just mean like if I'm going to stumble on my words. <laughs> as we file out a mosaic for the last time this year, we look forward to a future with you not here. We thank you for your service. Try as you might, but second half adjustments just couldn't take flight. While special teams may be where you excelled, head coaching or a lack thereof has made you expelled. It was not for a lack of trying that you couldn't quite succeed, but better clock management was certainly something you need. Through Cody and Jason to Trevor and Kelly, the offense was often so offensively smelly. The defense was high-powered and certainly strong, but in games after Labor Day, it was often quite wrong. Now that it's over, we can look back and reflect, though for us Ryder fans, it was a season of neglect. But I'm sure the players will so fondly remember that time during a losing streak, you took them bowling in the month that followed September. While you and the players sure worked your tails off, it is now time for Ryder Nation to give you the proper send-off. Craig Dickinson, we wish you the best in your future endeavors. That was pretty darn good. Thank you. I, I almost want to tell you to write a poem every week, but I know that's a <laughs> lot of pressure. Yeah, well well done, man. Well done. Thanks. 
and it wasn't like offensive. It was. <laughs> yeah, it was, not, it was. Where's the lie? No, it was. I wasn't trying to be rude. It's just. Yeah, I think that's fitting. Yeah. Yeah. Good luck, buddy. I hope the. I hope the slopes are good for you this winter. Well, you know, his brother will have a job for him. Oh, like, don't get me wrong. <laughs> he is a great special teams coordinator. Oh, yeah, and if, yeah, if, yeah. It, like, hopefully the riders do the right thing here and just say, you know, on tomorrow there's a press conference saying, you know, we thank Craig for all of his contributions, but we, we will not be extending his contract. Yeah. We, yeah. the search now begins for whoever. And hopefully it's Craig Dickinson or even the board of directors saying that all three are gone. But, as soon as his contract ex- ends, whether it's whether I think it's in February or whenever they actually end, he will be hired within a week somewhere else so. because he's I that good so. of a coach, uh, yeah. uh, a, a coordinator. Sorry. Yep. Last game of week 20 had the Winnipeg Blue Bombers beating the Edmonton Elks 45 25. They really just worked them, man. Uh, mm. I, I don't know how much there is to say. About this one, although Zach Kolaros missing, missing uh, Nick Dembski for a long touchdown hurt my fantasy team. I will say that Brady Oliveira having 72 yards and two touchdowns and me giving him the captaincy did help my uh, fantasy team. Put me over 100 points for the week. So, so I, I did have a good week. I just could have had a better week. Uh, it was just, just another one of those situations here, but both Nick Dembski and Brady Oliveira. Oliveira's been over a thousand for a while, but Nick Dembski goes over a thousand in this one. Five catches, twenty-seven yards. And that is the first team in CFL history to have a Canadian receiver and a Canadian running back each achieve a thousand yards receiving and rushing respectively. That's that's also Oof. surprising, but Wow, good for the Bombers, man. Yeah, uh, Dembski has has been a great uh, addition to them after they stole. He stole them from the Riders after they drafted him. Uh, when you when you have a team and you have two Canadians excelling like that, it's it's not only great for our league, but it's it's just a testament to your scouting and uh, actually giving the Canadians a chance in the the skill positions. It's just one of those games where Trey Ford touched the ball once, and it was fourteen nothing Winnipeg. Like <laughs> that's they're off the, way the she races. Goes, bud. The way she goes. Yeah, the opening drive, the bombers. It's eight plays, eighty yards, a touchdown, um, and then uh, Trey Ford gets sacked by Jackson Jeffcoat, fumbles the ball. Adam Big Hill takes it to the house for a touchdown, and it's fourteen nothing. Less than five minutes into the game, and at that point, you know. The, the Bombers next week, they play Calgary. It's going to be another one of those kind of meaningless games. Um, and I really thought that maybe BC would win this week and Calgary would win next week to get into the playoffs. Um, but now we're probably not going to see Zach next week, Oliveira. But again, like if you're playing fantasy for jelly beans like I am, like – do I put in Drew Brown? 
who in this one had seven completions on seven attempts for two touchdowns. And Rasheed Bailey had two touchdowns, three catches, 24 yards. Are those guys options in the final week of the regular season? It's one of those things. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> I don't know what to do, man. I'm reaching out for help, brother. <laughs> well, I, I, yeah, Brown would be good. Uh, Toronto, I think they want that record. As as silly as it sounds, I you, do, do think, think they want play, that record. They're not going to play Kelly though. They're not going to play Kelly, but uh, Dukes can win. We've yeah. seen what Dukes has done. He's he's yeah. He's so I think Dukes might be the better than than Brown to be honest. But he might roll the dice with one of the one of the short the the hey. uh, and to see if he can get a couple you know one yard sneak touchdowns. So. I don't know, man. I, I don't envy the, the stress that you have of picking your lineup this week, but I wish you all the best. Oh, and look, in this game, we got to give a shout-out to Manny Arsenault. I don't know if it's his last yes. game ever. He said if things go his way, he'll play again. But Manny, like, were you not rooting for him? I the, wanted him to score oh, so bad on that play. The 77-yard oh. catch he had. 62 yeah. yards after the catch like he was and that, that was from him stopping to catch the ball and then accelerating again it wasn't like you yeah. know those old Mill right. Steagle ones where he actually caught it in stride and then had a 70 yard like he like so that shows he can still go like yeah. he still has yeah. that start stop speed so I hope he keeps playing like he's you know, what, early in his fun career, to watch. I think that he had some criticism. Maybe he's not the best leader teammate, mm-hmm. but I think yeah. at this point, he is he's, a great leader and a great he, teammate. Yeah, when he was in in playing for the Riders, he's the one who started the big play chain, right? And yeah. and that in 2019, that got the Riders like fired up, and it they did. like like so. So yeah, I know. I think Manny has become a, a heck of a leader. So it would be nothing. It would be great for Edmonton if they keep him next year. Just that veteran presence to have some stability with Trey Ford there. And you can see that Big Hill was still fresh because uh, Taylor Cornelius tries to go over the pile and meets Adam Ralph. Wiggum. He meets Ralph Wiggum. Yeah, every single time, man. Like, like. How he's torpedoing himself. He always does it. Should that not be a penalty? I don't know. But <laughs> I enjoyed that hit, man. Oh, I know. I know. It's it's, it's awesome. But it's <laughs> he's literally torpedoing himself. But yeah, uh, Cornelius. That's, that's what he does. He ended up getting the touchdown on third and goal. So I mean, the Elks were still, I guess, in it a little bit there. Uh, Geno Lewis ends up taking offensive pass interference on Winston Rose. His shirt stretched a good seven yards. <laughs> I need some of those. I clothes. love seeing that. That's awesome. Yeah. After Christmas dinner, no worries. Like the the oh. shirt's still good to go. Yes, sir. <laughs> and look, Gino here. He had seven catches, a hundred and fifty eight yards in uh, in this game. So well done, uh, Gino Lewis. But. It was just the firepower. Oliveira scores a touchdown with two minutes left in the first half. It's 24-10. But the Elks, they come back. 
Winnipeg takes a pass interference like on the goal line and 17 seconds left in the first half. The, the Elks are only down a touchdown. So they were trying to win yeah. uh, in Winnipeg. But then in the third quarter, Zach hits Rashid Bailey. They go up 31-18. Uh, Greg McRae ends up scoring a touchdown. Yeah, he had uh, two catches, nine yards, and a touchdown. In this one, Lawler had six catches, 98 yards in this one. And I guess that is a big storyline for the Bombers, Sheldon. Dalton Schoen missing this game. And it was said that his playoffs might be in jeopardy. Mm-hmm. Now, that ankle they've got next week and the first round of the playoffs to get it good enough for Dalton Schoen to play and I know they still have Walatarski and Bailey and Lawler and Dembski, but it's just that much better with Dalton Schoen in the receiving core for the Bombers. 26 touchdowns in two seasons. Travis, Wes Cates won us a Grey Cup with a broken freaking ankle. <laughs> so, yeah, they'll get some horse tranquilizers in there or something. Yeah, I, I think if... If he can, if they can freeze it up and he can handle the pain for a few hours, I think Dalton Schoen will be playing in that Western final. Hey, and that West final in Winnipeg, it could be plus two, it could be minus twenty-two. So that'll could, uh, that'll keep yeah, it cold. It, yeah, it, it, well, and, <laughs> yeah, if it's an icy field and maybe you don't want to put him in there with that. But uh, again, it's it's one game. You win or you go home, right? So I I, I think. I think sometimes you can see how a player is and, you know, if they're willing to play injured or play, or not play injured. And I, I think I can kind of tell that Dalton Schoen is one of those guys who he's going to play injured if he ha- so. if he can. He's a tough guy. And in a game that doesn't matter, Deontes Alexander of the Edmonton Elks with a 98-yard kickoff return for a touchdown. The first yeah. one for the Elks. Since 2015, <laughs> you yeah. feel good for it, but you wish it would have happened earlier in the year. <laughs> oh, for sure. It was a nice return. It was. It was. Yeah. Good for him. Janarian Grant in uh, this one, he had a 30-yard punt return. He was returning uh, kickoffs as well. So uh, there, there you go. And I do want to mention it was pretty funny when Chris Jones threw the challenge after the snap in the first half. And then later in the game, he throws like a 35-yard Hail Mary with the challenge flag. <laughs> that didn't well. end up <laughs> succeeding. <laughs> anyway, it was just one of those games where Winnipeg's talent was on display and uh, Edmonton's season comes to an end. Um, Winnipeg had the ball for 17 minutes longer <laughs> than Edmonton in yeah. this one. Now, going into 2024, what are you feeling about the Elks? Are you going to kind of reserve judgment until, you know, free agency, see what else they're going to do? Or, you know, starting with probably this group, Gino, Trey, the O-line, the running backs, I think Brooks and Brown, I, I think... And I thought it going into this year. Maybe they're going to be able to compete for 500 and maybe third in the West in 2024. 
Yeah, I think they're trending up. There's certain teams that are trending down, uh, but but Edmonton, I think, is trending up. And I, I think Trey Ford has shown that he can be a starter in this league. He does need some more coaching and some more seasoning. Um, so it'll be... It'll be interesting to see what he can do with a full off season and training camp with Jerry's Jackson because when he yeah. took over for McAdoo or McAdoo, he uh you could tell that he Trey Ford was his guy and and he he wanted him in there. And so it'll be uh, it, nothing but bad or nothing but good, I mean, for for them to spend some time together in the offseason and get this going. So I, I I think that this is like this year was kind of the anomaly in Chris Jones teams where he usually has success building success every year on top of another. But this time he, there was like that slight regression, right? So I think you can kind of write this season off and we're going to see some improvement next season. And those Elks fans will, will be able to see a lot more wins. It's kind of funny because uh, Edmonton and Saskatchewan, both have had identical records two seasons in a row, but mm-hmm. the feeling in Edmonton is a lot more optimistic than the feeling in Saskatchewan. It's kind of funny how that works. Well, it's because yeah, because Edmonton started out terribly. Yeah, yeah. But they fit. They finish okay, and the Riders started quite well, and they finished terrible. Um, and again, all you can put that down in, on is coaching. Because I think, I think we've kind of established that Chris Jones, the coach, is quite good. Chris Jones, the GM, who knows? I think he's a little too. He goes after his own boys too much. He he try like players that he's he's found before. He he always brings them in. You know he's he's got Gainey there. He's got Purifoy. He's got. He he tried to bring back Toby Antigua. I think at the beginning and like it's just he he recycles his guys. Um, but when he's coaching, he's his defenses are always pretty good, and it seems they have a winner now with Jerry's Jackson as an offensive coordinator because he's had success previously too in different places. So I think Elks fans have a lot to look forward to, truly. It'll be interesting to see what uh, 2024 looks like in Edmonton. The Upper Bowl will be closed other than for big games. I'm assuming Calgary, Saskatchewan playoffs and the like. But uh, next year is a big one for Chris Jones. He knows that, and I think everybody else knows that. As for Winnipeg, they prepare to host the West Final. Again, they'll be uh, awaiting the winner of BC and Calgary. Look, and the success that Winnipeg has had near a sellout again against Edmonton for a game that didn't matter, and now a West Final. What an end to a season for that franchise. Mm-hmm. I, they are the model team in the CFL right now. I, I think it, it, it was Calgary for a while. Maybe you would have liked to see the better uh, attendance and things like that. But with Winnipeg, they've got the attendance. They've got the $600,000 quarterback. They've got the continuity with that core. They win 30-3 and three at IG Field in the past, what, three or four years? You kidding me, man? It's crazy. It's they, But 
they built that stadium to be loud and oh, it, it works yeah. and th- their fans have bought in and they they've they've they they got Canadian talent they 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 use the draft they use free agency to get their Canadian talent and that's the foundation you need in the CFL they 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 got a, a an elite o line that's getting older now but they knew what to do and and actually the one thing that if I have a pipe dream for the riders, it's <laughs> we know what it is, right? It's and Kyle so Walters, yeah. it's Kyle Walters, and it, that's that's the hail mary. That if Craig if Craig Reynolds is still there, that should be his hail mary right now to try to save his job is get somebody like that in here. But about Winnipeg, gun to your head, who is their most outstanding player nominee? Because I don't think I it's, think it's I think it's Zach. I, you still think it's Zach? I I think I think Brady, to be honest. I I think Brady has been more outstanding than Zach. I think Zach has been a product of his environment a little bit more this year than past, if that makes sense. Oliveira had almost fifteen hundred rushing yards. I think they should get him in for a play against Calgary to get him over fifteen hundred, but who mm-hmm. knows if he'll even travel, really. Um yeah. But he could, I could see him getting that double nominee. I, I really could. I, it, it's it could be a pipe dream, maybe. But I, I, I'm seeing chatter on social media too that that he should be not just the most outstanding Canadian, but the most outstanding player nominee too. I, I still think if he goes up against Kelly, Kelly wins. I do still think that, but I don't know. Man, hot take alert, I guess, but. Chad Kelly has 23 rushing touchdowns. Zach Kalaros has 10 more. <laughs> he also has 130 more passing yards. Uh, uh, yeah. Kelly also does have Kelly eight, eight rushing touchdowns, so that that's part of the... Ooh, this is a great conversation to have next week when week 21 mm-hmm. doesn't matter. <laughs> Actually, that's very true. Foreshadowing. <laughs> Week 21 is here. Winnipeg plays Calgary. Hamilton plays Montreal. And uh, Toronto plays Ottawa. I guess Hamilton will want to finish 500. So that'll be a... Uh, and and we're going to have questions about them. Are they going to start Bo in the playoffs? And are they going to play him for four quarters? Because, I don't know, their current system seems to be working. Uh, throwing shilts out there after halftime or whatever they want to do. But uh, yeah, lots to yeah. talk about. Uh, in the CFL. That's week 20. I'm Travis Curra. He's Sheldon Jones. You can find Two and Out anywhere you get great podcasts. And uh, Sheldon, were you acknowledging the Tribal Chief or you had something to say? Oh, acknowledging the Tribal okay. Chief. I always do. <laughs> you can like and subscribe on uh, YouTube and support the show on Patreon. Thank you so much for uh, joining us throughout the season. we got one more regular season week to go. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.